What's up and welcome into the lead block, episode 20 of the lead block, Matthew. We're rolling. I've been doing it for a minute. Yep, my name is Tyler Walters. I'm your host alongside Matthew Anderson. Matthew, you doing good today? Doing great as always. Always. All right. Episode 20. Come a little ways. It's gotten better. Got some, we were just talking before the show, we've got some special things planned out for next week. So something I think will be good, probably. Yeah, stay tuned for that. Um, but we'll start right here in Columbia this week, right off the top, with what is just, uh, I mean, just a dumpster fire happening right before our eyes. Uh, the university president of South Carolina, Bob Caslin, is now kind of, I mean, university presidents are always involved in athletics, but usually when you hear the university president uh, speaking with athletic directors or his name's in the news, his or her name is in the news, uh, connected with the athletic director, it typically means someone's getting fired. Yeah, because, you know, most of the time, I was thinking about this earlier, President Clements is a guy at Clemson, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Like, you don't ever hear him commenting on Dabo Swing. Like, that's no. not unless they're, like, together at maybe, like, a ball or something like that. But those two, he usually stays with the educational side or whatever, and Dabo stays with the football, so this is definitely not Also, good. what's kind of funny, just before we kind of get into our topic here, is the president has got the, I guess... Not necessarily the ultimate authority on uh, firing or whatever. His salary just pales in comparison to what's his name at Clemson? What's the the president's name? Clements, I'm pretty sure. Okay, I think you're right. Uh, I kn- I can see his face. I-, I know the guy, but his contract with Clemson's to Davos just nothing. What is his? I wonder. I I have Davos. Uh, I know Davos like what ninety three million. I think so. Yeah, ten years, ninety three. I think. Um, <laughs> With a ridiculous, a bunch of, uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show. We're 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 just starting sidetrack, <laughs> which is fun. If you go read the details, this was Dabo's last contract. I read the details of. I don't think all of the details of this new one have been released as the old ones were. Um, they're keeping some things under wraps. Very interesting to see the extra things that college football coaches got or get around the country that I, I mean, you just don't really think about. Right, he gets uh, two new cars every year, and his this is Dabo's old contract. Got two new cars every year, a thousand dollar a month insurance stipend for those vehicles. Uh, really, membership to a golf club or a country club, um, which I guess would be the Walker Course in Clemson. Considering there's I don't there's no country club in Clemson that I can think of. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Um, yeah, just. Things like that. That was really cool to learn about. That's that contract detail is out there somewhere on the internet. I found it one day. Um, really interesting to look at. You think about how much it's a lot more football coaches get than just a dollar amount. Um, so something to think about as we, we discuss what we're about to talk about. Uh, Bob Caslin comes out this week and he says in the Greenville News the kind of the quote that caught fire was. Coach Muschamp is my coach. That's the message. He will be my coach through the end of the season. Red flag. Big red flag right there. Red flag to start off. And uh, this is just one of many quotes in this story. I got a couple more written down here. Uh, so he go. then he goes on to say, and then just like any other coach that's out there, whether it's a soccer coach, whether it's an equestrian coach, whatever, they're going to do an end-of-the-year assessment that the athletic director does. And then we'll see what's up. Um, but basically, he, he goes on at one point in this article, 
to say, uh, we will see what happens in the Clemson game. And if it's a blowout, he said, this might not have been the same article, might have been the previous one that Manny Robinson wrote, who works for the Greenville News. Uh, He was their sports writer. He's an adjunct professor at uh, University of South Carolina. I've sat in on a couple of lectures he's given. Um, Very nice guy. And he covers Clemson football. Um, and he wrote this article. I think his job with Greenville News has changed up a little bit, and he's covering some some USC stuff too. Uh, but, yeah, he was the one who reported the story. Kaslin basically said that we'll assess after the Clemson game, and if it's kind of a blowout, uh, might have something to talk about. You know? Might have to reconsider I, I don't want mis- to misquote Kaslin, who said that the Greenville News misquoted him, which they proved that they didn't. But he said something to the effect of, you know, if Clemson's a blowout, then uh, we'll kind of look at the structure of the con- or something like we'll, we'll reassess then. Yeah, that's a good right? way of putting it. Reassess. It, it could it could maybe weigh some opinions as to whether uh, Muschamp stays or goes. And I'm gonna the thing I'm bringing up next, which has been brought up in all of you know most of articles about Kaslin's statements this week. When Kaslin was hired as chancellor, I believe is the title at West Point, uh, the military academy, their football coach, their football team had like their third straight losing season, finished, I don't know, four and eight or something, fired him four days, you know, after getting there or something like that. I mean, fired him immediately. (laughs) Kaslin's first season football team sucked. He got rid of him, right? Which, I mean, for Gamecock fans, that's got to be hopeful. Yeah. Uh, I know that there's a lot of other controversies going on with Bob Caslin, but if you're a fan of the football team, right now Bob Caslin seems to be your best friend. He's like, this is the guy we need here. Because he's coming out, and basically what he said to the Greenville News is, I, I don't really want this guy. I think he sucks. If we're going to go out and get blown by blown out by Clemson, I don't want that. That's not going to that's not going to be representative of the football team that's a part of the university that I'm the president of. And I think most fans in the South Carolina uh, fan base would rather not have Will Muschamp be the coach. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of them still support him. Obviously, it's your football team. You want him to win, no matter who's the coach. But I think 99.9% of people who are South Carolina fans, if you ask them, do you want Will Muschamp to be your football coach or do you want Will Muschamp not to be your football coach, they're choosing not. Um, And and it looks like Haslam's also leaning in that direction. Uh, and then he goes, the next statement is, uh, or they, they, I guess they asked why he wanted to fire him. This is still in the Greenville News article. Well, if I wanted to do that, I'm, I'm not saying I would, but where am I going to come up with $18 million? There's so much more as the university president, or as the president of a university, I could do with $18 million than to buy a, out a coach's contract. And he's, then he kind of goes on the list, you know, Bill Parker, Rogers, and stuff like that. But, one, thing, one thing to think about, I heard this, I think it might have been someone shout out the Spurs Up show. <clears throat> He had a good point with this. It was like it's not like because everybody thinks that the buyout is eighteen million dollars. It's not like we're gonna all give it. We're it's gonna twenty give it right now. It's but I'm saying like can't they like break it up between like the four years or so? It depends how I I believe South Carolina's is the way it is structured. And Ben Bryan wrote an article in the state explaining exactly how this was done a couple weeks ago. That they pay him in installments over so many years. That's what I was thinking. But it saying that they will have that money to come is not really 
you need a good start on that money. And I believe they owe him a chunk right off the bat. Oh. Uh, that's what I was thinking. I was like, you don't have to give it to him all right away. It'd be like $4 million No, it wouldn't be course. all $20 million going. It would be, you know, um, like a uh, the few who know the Bobby Bonilla situation with the Mets. They still owe him money until 2035, I think. Um, and so he gets paid like a million dollars a year or something every – there's one date early in the spring. I cannot remember it right now, but – it's similar to that and that Muschamp will be collecting checks from the University of South Carolina for a long time to come. But saying, like, for me, like, I get that point. Um, I do. But I still think $20 million is a lot of money. And no matter how you want to break payments of $20 million up, it's still $20 million. Yeah. So, I, and, I mean, I get, I definitely get that, that point and that view of it. Uh, but I, I would still look at it as, you know, like you're taking out, it's like you, it's like you go into the car dealership, right? And this car costs 20 grand. Um, you can wait next year and this car may cost 15 grand, which you can afford, but 15 grand is just still a little bit over your, your budget, right? But you could definitely afford it. You can make it happen. And, but the 20 grand you're looking at right now, if you want that car right now, you're going to have to pay 20 grand and you're going to be have to paying large large installments on that car large car payments right and your you know whatever else going into that car each payment is going to be a lot bigger than if it were the $15,000 car so do you want to stretch your budget that much to whereas even next year when a Mustang's buyout goes down by a few million dollars it's still a lot of money to pay Right. Do you want to pay him the extra five million, or do you want to just suck it up and take it for another season, and, and then try to reassess, and give him a fifth season, which people act like that's an eternity. It, it's not really. You know, five years. Yeah, in your third year, you should be making significant progress with your football team as to what you found it. All right, because your first draft class will then be juniors, or your not draft class, recruiting class, will be juniors. By your fourth year, you should be making progress on what you made the previous year. So the, I, I will not sit here and defend Will Muschamp's progress because he's back to where he started almost. Yeah, it's a little better than what he found the program. They do have some good recruits. Yes, I was but as far that. as the record, at the end of the day, people remember you by your wins and losses, right? Ten years from now, we're going to look at this 2018 season, or 2019 season, excuse me, and say this team was 4-8 or... By the grace of God, they were five and seven, and we for five and seven to happen, we beat the number three team in the country twice here in Columbia. But that got us nowhere. Yeah, just so that season doesn't matter. It'll be sitting around and saying, "Hey, remember that time that we beat Georgia and Clemson in the same year, and we still didn't make a bowl game?" You know, that'll that'll be how it's remembered, And, and I think. From a, a dollar standpoint, from the president and the university and the board of trustees side, it's important to think: how much do we really want to spend on this football program? Uh, if it took Muschamp four years to get this far, who are we going to get that's going to get farther next year than Muschamp? Because no matter what, any way you want to look at it, if you go hire an outside guy, you're not going 12 and 0 next year in the regular season. So, I think Muschamp is, can make you a bowl game at least, and you save a few million dollars. I mean, I, I don't... It's it's kind of 
downplaying the amount that his contract or his buyout is, is I don't think it's the right move. We'll move on with. Uh, oh, but real quick, yeah, I think one ahead. of the unfortunate realities of this is like it's like yeah, like even if we fire, how much better are we gonna get? I think what pisses off some USC fans is like they're looking at Clemson, who is like football is a priority up there. Dabble is Absolutely. able to get that program turned around really quickly, and it's like and so we kind of just had to eat it for another year. Well, until much uh, to uh, that point, I'm, gl- I'm glad you said that. Dabble was able to turn that program program around really quickly. It took Dabble six years to beat South Carolina. You know, yeah. he wasn't killing it to start with by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Um, he was just he Clemson had the benefit of playing in the ACC and beating all of those teams, but South Carolina wasn't even to the top, top tier in the SEC, and they were still beating Clemson every year. Right. Consistently. Right. And, and Clemson's conference locked them into a few BCS bowl games that if it were in the committee's eyes and the committee chose who were in those bowl games, which they do now with the New Year's Six, by way of the rankings, Clemson wouldn't have sniffed those bowl games. You know, I, I think a three-loss South Carolina team in 2010 would have been favored over a two-loss Clemson team in 2010, whatever those numbers were. Um, so it is unfair if you're a South Carolina fan to compare yourself, the, the your coaching success to Clemson, because, yes, Dabo got Clemson to 10 wins a lot faster than any probably anyone's going to ever be able to do it here at South Carolina. But Clemson also has the benefit of playing, a, uh, by all means, a scrub conference. Right. So, I, I don't. I think that's you take that with, you know, uh, you take that with a grain of salt. Um, and, and but I do say that it's not fair to compare yourself to Clemson now, currently, because they are just leaps and bounds ahead of you. Uh, and this program has never been to where Clemson's at. Right. We'll move on to Caslin's next kind of the, the next part of the story he talks to the Florence Manning news I guess a, a couple days after the Greenville news story comes out or the day after or whatever the timeline is and he tells the Florence Manning news that Ray Tanner asked Florida State about how it managed its contract buyout with Willie Taggart wait hold on hold on you didn't uh, you didn't hear this part no I, talked I, to you I think I just I just saw the beginning part of what you were saying I didn't know about that that's interesting that he would ask them that if that's not in the plans or if, it, or if he's not at least considering it yeah he he told uh Florence Manning oh, News God. that he didn't that their question to him was what he has he contacted anyone I assume I didn't they released the audio recording um their question to them would have been, you know, have you spoken with anyone else about the contract buyout? And he said, no, but my AD asked Florida State, basically something like that, whatever. Um, oh God! And then Caslin, let me let me find that real quick because just I, just, I, just based off public relations, this sounds horrible. Oh, it's a PR nightmare. Because it's like this not because there's a lot of inconsistencies here, and then you come out today, which I'm sure you'll talk about later, and be like, "This is our coach." But it's like, but then why would you hit up Florida? Not hit up, but you know, why would you contact Florida State try to figure it out? It's oh god, yeah, it's a PR nightmare for sure. So the next part of the story is Caslin says that, and then just a few hours later, that was at like six o'clock, maybe seven o'clock. I see that, and I saw it got tweeted by the voice of the PD, which is. Uh, Florence Manning News is a sports site or whatever. Um, and I see it immediately, and I'm like, oh, crap. You know, that's really interesting. Because if you remember and you go back and look at, you know, listen to any of the first 19 episodes of the lead block, you'll hear me say multiple times, multiple times, that there's no way Will Muschamp is leaving. And I believe that wholeheartedly until I saw this Monday, Tuesday night 
whatever day it was, and I was like, oh, maybe he's not. Maybe maybe he's not, or maybe he is leaving. Excuse me, because until this point, I said he's staying. Um, and and then I see this from Bob Caslin just a few hours later after this first story is is published. It's kind of funny how news media works, right? This Florence Manning News, uh, they get this a smaller news outlet gets this story right. And it's probably the biggest one they've had in years. Uh, and then every single Gamecock beat writer on Twitter just starts firing off. Like, yeah. You can tell they saw this story as soon as it came out and they went, oh, crap, and just started calling people, which is just kind of funny. But uh, Colin Taylor, who writes for Gamecock Central, University of South Carolina grad, I think maybe 2015, so he's a younger guy that writes for Gamecock Central, says, let me set the uh, – says that Caslin says – let me set the record straight. Athletic Director Ray Tanner did not speak with anyone at Florida State University about coaching contracts. Which is, the wording of that was interesting to me. Because Kaslin's, the first story said that Kaslin said the AD asked about how Florida State managed its buyout. That's what the story said. And then uh, Kaslin comes back and says, I, well, we didn't say that. So, or I didn't say that in particular. Uh, so I, I don't really know. I think what exactly what happens is what we can all imagine what happened was Kaslin said that, and then the, his PR people and the football program and Ray Tanner, the athletic director, were like, dude, shut up. And you have to go make a contract. Like, you have to go uh, take back that statement and say, ah, that's not what I meant. And he says where it gets really interesting with Caslin is he goes on to say that um, both the Greenville News and the Florence Manning News, or Florence Morning, I keep saying Florence Manning, Florence Morning News, excuse me, uh, he says both of those statements were, were misquoted, uh, that those news outlets misquoted him. Those news outlets, and, and rightfully so, defended themselves by releasing the audio of the recording oh, they man. had with Bob Caslin. <laughs> which backed both of their stories up. And, yes, sometimes it is easy to mix up. I think a lot of the distrust from football coaches to media is because when you write out things, sometimes you don't realize the tone that one quote has until it's already on the paper and already on the website or in the newspaper. Yeah. All right, so basically what we have here is the president is lying, saying that he didn't say anything, and then the the news station whatever – Pulls out receipts like no, this is actually what happened. Oh yeah, and it's like oh, yeah, wow. It's it's uh, doesn't get any better than this, folks. No, it, it's it's super. It sparked up quite the country. South Carolina's on a bye week this week. I was thinking we weren't getting much out of them this week. Uh, the first interesting thing that happened was, I mean, God, South Carolina. If you like drama, watching South Carolina football and their media disasters right now are <laughs> incredible, right? And, and the whole thing. The first thing that happens, which I think happened like maybe Saturday or Sunday, uh, maybe even stretch back to last Friday, um, Brian McClendon, who I have said would be is has the hottest seat in Columbia right now, was scheduled to host Will Muschamp's weekly call-in show at Wild Wing Cafe in the Vista. We're recording it on Wednesday. He's supposed to be there right now, um, and. Because that show is usually recorded on Thursdays. They're on a bye week this week, so there's no press conference, and the show moves around. The other shows move around. 
McClendon was supposed to be doing that for Will Muschamp, who was scheduled to be out of town this week. Uh, now it gets changed, and what we hear from Steve Fink, the the basically what boils down to your PR guy, right? We don't really have PR guys in college sports. It's what they call sports information directors, which is just media relations. So the same thing, except they do kind of less like PR type stuff and more like they're the wall between the media and the coaches and players. Steve Fink comes out and says, well, Muschamp, you know, says that his schedule opened up and now he's able to go and, and he will be hosting this show. Which to me, if you ask me, it is. Will Muschamp's schedule did not clear up. He didn't, when they scheduled this, they assumed they would have seven wins, at least seven wins on the schedule. And even if McClendon was under a little heat, that he would still be fine on the show. This move, don't don't kid yourself, this move was only made to cut, to protect Brian McClendon. Because yeah. there is no way he would have gotten through through that show without being berated by fans and, and just being asked all kinds of questions for that he would not be able to, to answer really because he would I mean he's got the hottest seat in Columbia yeah like the fans don't think that Muschamp will get will be gone I think a lot of them want they gone but I think most of them like me believe that this contract is buyout is too much and that South Carolina won't pull the trigger because of that reason but you can fire McClendon <laughs> and his offense has been terrible I mean we talked about it on Monday's show I mean, they haven't put up 30 points in, since Nam. So, <laughs> why, like, that's a guy you can fire. That's tangible. And if you put him out there Wednesday night in He'll the public. He'll take all the bullets for sure. Yeah, he would be eating bullets. So, so this is not Will Muschamp's schedule opened up. Don't, don't believe that because not, that's not for a second what happened. Will Muschamp definitely canceled his previous obligation, which he probably did not want to do. To, to go to the show to cover for Brian McClendon because Muschamp can kind of take the heat, right? And, and McClendon won't be able to. I always think of this as uh, what's the head coach for the Browns? Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens talks about this earlier in the year. He's like, I could take it. I could take it. And you kind of expect that that's why you pay the head coach so much money because it's like, okay, you go take the bullets, go eat this one. Because as an assistant coach, while his job is really the offense, not as much so. Obviously, he has media obligations, but not to go do like a talk show like you were saying. Yeah, and, and look, this, I mean, this thing just gets more interesting and more interesting. And obviously, I read all of this stuff, all of these different little stories that we've talked about already today. I read them all as as they were happening, but I went back today and read it again. Just, and this is nuts, man. You can't make this up. This is more drama around a coaching staff than we have ever seen at the University of South Carolina, and that is a strong statement considering Steve Spurrier not four or five years ago left in the middle of a football season. Yeah. And that was a complete meltdown. I mean, people didn't know what to do around here. Also, if you want to blame someone for screwing that football program, or if I love when fans say that Spurrier screwed them over and he left with nothing, no, no, he did not. You're the people behind Steve Spurrier, the athletic department, and the university as a whole screwed you because they didn't see that as an option. When if you go back and you look at every Steve Spurrier interview, or just most of them, or just like two percent of them, you will have known about Steve Spurrier that when his time is done when he walks off the field of a game day he was going to be done with it he always said that and when that came out it shocked me that it was happening at that moment it didn't shock me that he did that 
So for if you want to go back and look even five years ago, for South Carolina to believe that that couldn't happen to them and it wasn't going to happen in a season that was weak, they were so unprepared for it, the, pro- the program as a whole, that it really hurt. It is still hurting this program. How did, if you remember it, do you remember exactly how it happened? Did he quit whenever he left LSU that day for the he, game? I, from, I don't remember. Was it the LSU? What game was I'm it? I'm pretty sure it was LSU. LSU. I know Vandy was the next game. Um, so, yeah, I guess it was LSU, if I can remember, 2015, correct? He just he just said, you know, I'm done. He I remember Elliot Fry tweeted out that he came in, what was that, maybe Monday at practice? I dropped my pen on the mic. Uh, <laughs> maybe Monday at practice and said, the field looks nice today, don't Elliot. And after practice, that was it. He was like, guys, I'm going. Which, I mean, like I said, shocked me that it happened in the moment. But even, you know. An hour later, I was thinking to myself, this is, I mean, this, I can't be, you can't be mad at Steve Spurrier. This is what he was, always said he was going to do, and he did it. Yeah, he foreshadowed it the whole entire time. Yeah, so, so lack of, like, I don't want to say lack of institutional control, because that's a word, uh, that's a phrase that the NCAA uses uh, when they're talking about handing down heavy, heavy sanctions. Um but that, in a light sense, those are the words. That, that lack of the control, you know, of the outcomes at the University of South Carolina is not a new problem. I mean, this is these kind of things have happened before. It's because we, you know, we've seen it five years ago around the football program. It shouldn't really be a surprise that all this drama is happening. I just can't believe that it's actually happening. Okay, well, since we're going down history a little bit, why do you think, because at this time I was not a USC fan, still, but anyway, back to the point, why do you think they were not able to sustain that success in the program when you had the great recruiting class with Clowney and all that? Yeah, then at the end it kind of tailed uh, out. I, I don't know. I think Spurrier just kind of, they lost some recruits. I don't want to say gave up. I, I just... He maybe he didn't try as hard to get the recruits as he used to do, and maybe that all hit him right after losing to LSU. It was like you know what, I this is I'm not good at this anymore. Maybe kind of thing, and we'll never know until Spurrier says something. I don't know if he will say much more than he's already said. Um, I mean I'd love to have him on the lead block, obviously. <laughs> so this is I mean the guy's like one of my all-time heroes. I think. He's my all-time favorite football coach. I love him. I love him to death because he's hilarious. But I don't. I don't know if anyone will ever know why Spurrier decided that day was the day. But I think if you really watch the Steve Spurrier's career, you knew it would kind of be a similar situation to that. Um, so whatever. I mean, that does for you. Like I don't. Hopefully, that explains it a little. Yeah. So. I just don't think it would be anything to that. Let's get back to We'll get back to this week's news. Um, we tend to take some tangents on the lead block. But we'll then, so Kaslin basically comes out and says, you know, that's not true. You twisted my words. The Greenville News, Florence Morning News come out and say, no, we didn't. Boom, here's the audio. Everybody, the public, you can listen for yourself and see what happens. I got an interesting tweet uh, the other night. When I tweeted, uh, so like I said, I said Colin Taylor tweeted out that, you know, from the university, President Bob said, uh, you know, I didn't, or let me set the record straight, Athletics Director Ray Tanner did not speak with anyone at the Florida State University about coaching contracts. I said, I just quote tweeted and said, I don't know what's going on anymore. I get a reply from a Gamecock fan 
<laughs> oh, I laughed so hard when I when I saw the second one. But the first tweet was, he just put out a statement. He never stated that. Um, I honestly think it's the the media. We all know everyone's job is in jeopardy, but I personally think they, the media, want to hurt recruiting. Um, uh, we've ripped on this fan base quite a bit. Yeah. I don't think that opinion is only held by that particular person. Come on. I say I'm thoroughly confused. Why would the so many questions? A, I don't think the media could hurt recruiting. Yeah. Um, I, I think fans hurt recruiting more than the media that, can. That's ex- that is a great point. Because the fans are the ones. I remember whenever after Xavier Thomas, I think he committed to USC for a second, and then he ended up uh, committing to Clemson. Or he came on a visit or something like that. The fans were sending him all the death threats and stuff. And it got to the point where he's like, I mean, why would I come? Yeah. Yeah, like, why would I want to come here? It's like, if I decommit, which I could still recommit, it's just I wanted to open my options up again. It's like, actually, well, I'll talk about that later. But anyway, he was like, if I'm thinking about an ID commit and y'all hit me with these death threats, one guy was like, I hope you tear your ACL. It's like, well, then why? And obviously, it's just one fan. But at the same time, it's like, you get a, enough of those. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm off of that fan base. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, like these comments are like just the, the recurring theme of the delusion of this fan base right now. I don't believe the South Carolina fan base has always been like this. I don't know. Maybe the last four years have just driven them insane. Uh, but yeah, I. If you really think that the media can hurt recruiting, maybe look at the on-field product and think about, and then the number of people in the stands and things like you're talking about with death threats and Twitter threats and the amount of trash that is talked about players and coaches on Twitter, which I think is fair. Don't get me wrong. If you want to go on Twitter and say X player sucks, I have no problem with that because you paid for a ticket to go sit in the stands and watch that that person, even if he is 19, right? You know, he was grown enough to make a decision to choose this school. I, I don't. I think people don't. Athletes are under a lot of scrutiny, and some of it is unfair. But I think people jump too quick to protect them when they face a little adversity or a little heat, right? These are grown kids. You know, 18 years old. You're smart enough to make the decision where you want to go to college, right? And it, you're fair. It's fair to be criticized. Because your your classmates who play basketball at 18 are playing in the NBA, and, and if they're old enough to get it, why don't just because you play a different sport, you can't take some heat? If you're going to throw up a bad performance, it's fair to take some criticism. Now, if you don't want to see that, don't have social media. And I get where that can be a lot for a guy to take, but, I mean, that's just that's part of it. Yeah, it's part of comes we sign National Letter of Intent. Yep, but I, in... But like when you say that this guy, when you go on Twitter and attack athletes over and over and over again for things that are unfair, unwarranted, I think you hurt recruiting. Yeah. Um, so that comment, like comment like that, the, the comments that exist like those, I think it's a small vocal minority um, that have those thoughts. But that is just kind of this all happening and tweets like those just wrap up this season for South Carolina perfectly. It is a disaster, and it has been since day one. It really has been. It's like it's like the what is, what's the expression? It's like the uh, the sky is falling. I don't think that's what I was looking for. But uh, for that work, that works too. Jordan Bush, right? Uh, Hammond, yes, number one recruit country or one of the top five. Anyway, He's for example, two maybe. He lives in Columbia, and he sees what's going. And USC was in his like top ten or top mm-hmm. seven, or whatever. But he sees all this controversy and that 
presidents lying and they just can't seem to a head coach might be leaving offensive coordinator for sure gone don't know if because you most of the time you know t-rob is mushroom's right hand man so if he's leaving uh, i so think t-rob's he, safe for now yeah but i was saying like if mushroom oh yeah when mushroom leaves yeah I got and then, so he goes to the barbershop just like everybody else so he's like no way i'm going to that program when you could literally just look in the upstate and it's like they seem to have it going oh yeah so it's like that really hurts and especially with him being in columbia he gets to see it firsthand if you're a kid right now in the state of south carolina and you don't have any ties to either fan base, right? You're not a fan of either team. Um, or if you are, you're not a huge diehard and going to the other school wouldn't hurt you. And you get offers from both South Carolina and Clemson, and you can start at either place or you'll have a fair shake to start at either place, why would you come to Columbia? Yeah. You know, this is kind of the – unless you really want to be part of the change to build uh, – to a part of the build to change South Carolina, uh, I mean, there's no – there's no other reason to get kids to come. It's it's hard to recruit kids to the University of South Carolina right now because football program has let it get to that point. But all these extra things don't don't help at all. They they hurt a lot. Um, really, from this year, probably entering this year, the best thing they have going for is the facility. So, all right, look, we got we got a nice place. Yep, that's right, what much goes it. on inside of here. That's neither here nor there. Just come here. <laughs> yeah. We got you a nice place. It was six fifty Lincoln. You can't miss it as soon as you uh, turn off whatever yep. road, and that's what we're selling. But yeah. So then to, we'll kind of get to the end of this here because I mean we've been talking about it for a while. I just, I mean, which warranted it. Uh, this is what I wanted most of the show to be today, just because I cannot believe this is happening, and this is by far one of the most interesting things that happened in South Carolina football in years. Get a statement from Bob Caslin today, university president. Um, he says. Earlier this week, I had a lengthy conversation with reporters and editors from the Florence Morning News about our university and the importance of keeping it affordable and accessible to the people of South Carolina. In the course of that interview, I was asked several questions about the football program, including one about Coach Muschamp that I misinterpreted. I misspoke and the mistake was mine, and I apologize for any confusion my comments have created with Gamecock fans or our program. Our athletic director and I will continue to support, uh, our athletic director and I support Will Muschamp and we look forward to having him be our co- to him being our coach next year and for seasons to come. That is just the most BS PR statement I've ever heard. That look to me, if I were to sit down and read this and interpret it, it's uh, I'm apologizing because I went at the news media and I shouldn't have because I, I said those things and that is my mistake. Um, yeah, I shouldn't have said the things that I said. I don't really care because we're going to fire this guy anyway. And this last part, I love this part. We look forward to him being our coach next year and for seasons to come. Bob Caslin cannot wait to fire Will Muschamp, and it <laughs> shows so much. It's that funny. guy, oh, I, he, I can look in his eyes <laughs> and tell he loves firing people. I think he was a three-star lieutenant general in the Army. Um, this is a guy that loves to get fired up, right? <laughs> he, he was – he's – I mean, I imagine quite a few tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, I know he's in Afghanistan for quite a while, a couple different times. Um, I mean, there is a firing line now at the University of South Carolina. It's basically what Bob Castle said this week. He said, there is a firing line, and I'm at the top of it. (laughs) And I'm shooting down on everybody who messes up. So if you want to keep your job, go win. 
It's funny you say that because I feel like a lot of the fan base got discouraged whenever they saw that because all week that we've been kind of like, yeah, hey, we'll see. They but. should be nuts about this guy. <laughs> they should be carrying Bob Caslin around Columbia on their shoulders. So now at the end, as you firm, like if you had to say zero to hundred percent chance that Muschamp is gone, you are more. I, I was at zero percent. I, I guess you can never beat zero. I was probably at point oh one percent. He's fired before Friday, maybe yeah. before Saturday. Today, we're recording on Wednesday. Um, I'm at like 15, 20%. Okay. So the large majority of me believes Milt Muschamp will be here next yeah. year. Yeah. But I am at 100%. Someone important is getting fired. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately for him, it's probably going to be BMAC, uh, Brian McClendon. Um, so, it, look, I mean, I'm telling you, if you're a South Carolina fan, I get that there's a lot of other things going on with Bob Coslin and the way he became the university president, more of the political stuff. But if you only care about Bob Coslin from the football standpoint, you should be kissing this guy's feet because he is going to fire Will Muschamp, and he cannot wait to do it. <laughs> so, I, I mean, just interesting stuff. I, I mean, I think Coslin's an interesting guy. I, I like this. I, I think it – obviously, I like it. I mean, I'm in media. It, it causes a stir, right, and it's it's – drama it's fun to watch people want to read about it and i want to write about it and i want to talk about it and i think it's awesome that he talks and he's not just some you know figurehead he actually uh i think right before now for me you know i haven't heard a lot from uh president caslin himself because he's been dealing with this whole drama uh with his getting appointed president or whatever all summer and i Caslin has been left out of a lot of that, I feel like, that I've read. I don't get to hear his voice a lot. Um, but I got to hear his voice this week, and, I mean, it, the guy's got some character. So he's interesting, to say the least. I mean, he's maybe the most interesting man in South Carolina right now. Um, the, like we said before, the fact that the president's kind of involved with this already, it just goes to show he's not really a guy that likes to just let things work themselves out. I was like, nah, I'm a, no, I'm going to go ahead and sit in on that meeting. It's awesome. It's been absolutely awesome. So follow this story. This is Wednesday as we're talking about it. Um, hopefully for the show's sake, nothing else will happen by the time you listen to this. Uh, but keep up with it because this is going to continue to be a problem here in Columbia. And I'll still be a little surprised if they fire Muschamp, but it is definitely not out of the realm of possibilities. Yeah. I am... I, I like I said, I did not believe there was any chance before this week. This week, I I, I believe there's a lot of people that want Will Muschamp gone, and Caslin hears them, and he also wants Will Muschamp gone. Um, if they he does, wants to win. If he does end up leaving, they'll look back at that clip, uh, like we were talking about. I think that was on Sunday. Was him Ray Tanner at what was it? What game? That was App State when they were looking at, it, and it kind of just yep. like it could have potentially be foreshadowing for what is to come next. Yeah, I mean, if you go look at uh, pictures of, I like to call him Bob. Uh, you go look at pictures of Bob at the games this year at the South Carolina games. <laughs> he looks pretty happy in the first one there up in Charlotte, and he's in a suite and all. You just keep going. Bob's face throughout the year <laughs> looks like the face of a South Carolina football fan because it just gets increasingly less happy. Yeah. Uh, and this guy, unlike. The rest of South Carolina football fans, he has the ability to make some changes. <laughs> so, 
There you go. You might see him. All right, we'll move on from that. Uh, just incredible stuff this week. Thank you to Bob Caslin for creating the first half of the lead block today. I could not have scripted it any better myself. Um, a reminder that both teams, South Carolina and Clemson, are on a bye this week. So good news for the Gamecock fans is they can't lose. Uh, I guess the good news for the rest of the ACC is that Clemson doesn't have to beat by 70 this week. Yeah. Um, but some interesting news we got to today, uh, Wednesday. Uh, Brian Edwards is likely to be out uh, against Clemson. Uh, what he had a scope done on yeah, something menis- on oh, his meniscus, right? I think he had a scope on his meniscus, and it looks like he will be out for the Clemson game. Like we said last week, there's no real reason for Brian Edwards to play uh, unless he just wants to play. Which I mean, if you want to play, you want to play. Go out as long as you're healthy. Um, he, but there's no reason for him to risk anything medically him to play this because he has a legitimate chance of playing at the next level somewhere um, and finding him a roster spot on an NFL team. And you're going to put that in jeopardy if you step on that field uh, next Saturday. Because every so, time you step between the, uh, those white lines, anything could happen. Yeah, um, well, yeah, ask Mason Rudolph about that. Um, but, so there you go. I mean, that's just going to hurt South Carolina. We'll get into some games this week. Biggest one, I guess, I guess the biggest one the SEC, it's it's the it's the only ranked team you know in the SEC playing a team with a pulse. Uh, Texas A&M at number four Georgia. Georgia thirteen and a half point favorite. Um, Georgia, Georgia's going to carry us into another little discussion I got here, so we won't spend too long on the game. I, I think Georgia wins, but from what I've seen from Georgia, they won't be win by more than ten points, right? So if you're going to toss some money around in the spread this week, maybe put it on Texas A&M. Um, because Georgia finds a way to not beat the teams, to not beat the good teams they should beat, right? Like the teams that, like A&M, that are decent. They should, Georgia's so much better than them. They should crush A&M. They should crush them. Like this, this line, minus 13 and a half, that line should be minus 25. And you should be wondering if Texas A&M can possibly keep Georgia within 25 points of them. But it's not the case. I just... I don't. I don't really get it. It's it's frustrating to watch for me, um, and I've been critical of Georgia lately, and rightfully so, because they just don't win games like they should win games. Um, it, it's frustrating, and I just think A and M will find a way to say it. Yeah, I don't think A and M has much of a chance. Like like you said, Georgia keep within ten because Georgia wants to keep within ten. Well, not they want to. A and M will really. keep it within ten. Yeah, yeah, A&M and Georgia will allow it to stay within ten. Is kind of my point. Yeah, there you go. But uh, nothing too exciting. I'm actually more. Well, you said you had one. Something you want to talk about about this? Oh, we'll get to it. Go ahead. No, I was about to say I'm just actually I saw that game. That's a three thirty CBS game. Yeah, three thirty CBS. I'll probably go ahead and turn it to the. Probably won't pay attention to that one. Watch the Missouri Tennessee game. See if Garantino Garantino. How do you say it? Garantano. Yeah, if he could keep it going, or right. Kelly Bryant come out and get the win. So cool. Tennessee's like sixth quarterback this season, who seems to be doing pretty well. Yeah, but I, you asked me that before the show, like which I thought would be a better game this week, and I think you, you have a very fair point with Tennessee and Missouri being a much better game. Um, and like I said before the show, I'll say now, it, it, you're probably not seeing better football, but it'll be a better game. Yeah. Uh, because the, the level of talent is much, much higher in Athens this weekend than it is in Columbia, Missouri, uh, with the exception of maybe Kelly Bryant. You, it, but I think this game could be close, right? Missouri's had just a weird season. 
up and down and up and down. And Tennessee started in the gutter, and they picked it up. Yep. You know, and Turn they had a decent game against Tennessee, or decent decent game against Alabama for a half anyway, which is more more than I expected from them. Um, they beat South Carolina. I mean, they smoked South Carolina. So in a crucial moment for South Carolina, uh, Tennessee proved to prevail or prevailed, and Tennessee they can go to a bowl game if they win this game, right? I think they've, they've got Vanderbilt next week, I believe. And yep, they're five and five. They need one more. You you win this week and you go to a bowl game and you can go to seven wins. And if Tennessee finds a way to win seven football games this year, after losing to Georgia State and BYU at home to open the season, yeah. Like what an effort! Very Just good what chance an effort. of it. And so, like you said, so they they find a way to win this one on the road. Then they go beat Vandy, and then they win the bowl game. They have eight win eight win season under Pruitt, right? Yep. This is go- I, Pruitt. You know, everyone was saying fire him after week one. I, hey, I was a part of that crowd too, right? You could, you don't let Georgia State come to Neyland Stadium and beat you. But congratulations to Sean Elliott. Um, you don't let that happen. But if it does happen, you fire your coach. I, <laughs> I will stand by that right now. Um, but they found a way to make something of it, and credit to Jeremy Pruitt and his staff. Uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. Maybe they can get a win on the road this week. I don't think they've done anything of significance on the road, really, this year. Or, you know, but we'll see. The only other games in Western Carolina is playing Alabama this week, just a garbage game. Alabama should score. Mac Jones is playing. Two is out for the year, like we said on Monday. Um, you won't even really get to see how good Mac Jones, like the first time, like, I don't know, I think people are downing Mac Jones, but I've seen, like, we have seen him make some throws that will rival, or that are better. Let me say this. Everyone's talking about how Mac Mac Jones isn't Tua, and they're saying now, you know, oh, well, Auburn becomes much more of a reality that they could beat Alabama. You watch Bo Nix this year, and you watch a few, a little bit of Mac Jones that we've seen, and you tell me who's running the better offense. Because Mac Jones has scored a hell of a lot more points. And I like Bo Nix, don't get me wrong, but he struggled at points this year. He looks like a freshman quarterback. Mac Jones has the option of being a freshman quarterback or a backup quarterback in an offense with three pro running receivers, a pro, an all pro offensive line, uh, a pro running back. I mean, he is surrounded by the best of the best. And this kid could not be set up better for success. Um, so we'll get to see him start a game this week again. But I, it's Western Carolina, so who cares? Uh, Samford at Auburn, who cares about that one too? Uh, UT, Martin at Kentucky, don't care about that one. Uh, East Tennessee State has a legitimate chance to beat Vanderbilt. Because if you have 11 players on a field, if you can find 11 guys and put them on a field and play Vanderbilt, you've got a legitimate chance of winning. For they're sure. Ju- they're just that bad. Yeah. Um, they also did announce they will keep Derek Mason after the season um, this week. I think part of the reason people get very upset whenever that, like, they well, maybe their fan base don't really care about winning too much. But generally, it's just kind of like, because as a fan, it's like, okay, so this is what I have to look forward to next year. So yep. it's like I hear Derek Mason come back. Okay, so another three win year. It's yep. like I'm not even. I can't even get excited. You know, nowadays that is so much like the social so media funny and you stuff. Say that. Yeah, because What's nowadays with like all the social media stuff, it's like we got the staff, we had the video, the tweets, and all that. So okay, it's like a season's coming up, and it's like we're about to do something. And it's like uh, hold the hold the nose here. Another year the same. So it's hilarious you bring that point up with what's going on here in Columbia. 
I mean, it is a mirror image of what's happening at, at Vanderbilt, but on a larger scale. Yeah. Because South Carolina uh, fans expect their football team to win. I think if you're a Vanderbilt fan, uh, expecting your football team to win is quite a stretch. Um, and then we have some Christian school at Mississippi State. This brings up a larger point this week. We had the same crap week last last year uh, in the the pre-rivalry week game uh, week, right? Where you have just a bunch of really bad football games, and it was even worse last year. But it looks terrible. Thank God this year that there are other conferences with a lot of good teams, like the Big Ten, um, and there's a few good games in the Big Twelve this week, and. It's just a problem for college football. You've got to find a way to make the third Saturday or the next to last Saturday in November, I guess this is the fourth Saturday, make it more appealing to football fans because this sucks. I don't want to watch on November 23rd Alabama play Western Carolina or Auburn play Samford. I want to see an FCC game this week. Make it a mandatory SEC game week. Make it everyone must play an SEC team. We don't care who you have next week. I would love to see that. Or you take a bye, right? Yeah. Do South Carolina's – you get two buys now, right? Take your bye this week if you want to rest up before your rivalry game. And, and I mean, it's just frustrating. George, yeah, I get George playing Texas A&M, but that's not the best game. Um, but they play Georgia Tech next week, so they can play Texas A&M. I guess Alabama and Auburn's thing is they want to keep this, you know, the non-conference week so they can play Western Carolina and Samford and basically have a bye week going into the Iron Bowl. But this sucks for college football fans, and it absolutely destroys your product if you're the SEC. It does not look good. I want big teams playing big teams in November. Yeah, it'd be nice if they could divide it up. Like maybe this year y'all play the uh, – you can play your FCS opponent the week before however. Then next next year the other schools, you know, like 6-6, six 7-7, and six, seven and seven, however they need to do it, but just some sort of interesting product. So, therefore – because now the basketball season is getting started too. People starting to move their attention to that a little bit. I, look, yeah, and I think a lot of people are going to be I, – I still think uh, as far as – I think football is supreme in this country, especially in the South. College football is supreme. So – most people who are fans of schools will watch football 10 times out of 10 over basketball. But a week like this, your Alabama fans aren't going to be watching football um, on ESPN. They're going to be watching basketball, probably also on ESPN. But either way, you know, if their basketball game is that day at at 1, they're turning off the football game. Uh, And I think one move for the SEC you can do is go to non-conference games. I mean, the Big Ten has it. I don't think the ACC has it yet. Um, the the Big 12 has it for sure and if you go to those and I believe the Pac-12 has it too if you go to nine conference games you force you know one of these weeks either this week which hopefully it would be this week or one of the earlier weeks in the season where you have non-conference opponents you force that to be a better game you know or at least a watchable game uh, because most of the, you know one, two, three, four uh, five of the SEC's set six or seven, eight games this week, seven games, are unwatchable. And then you have LSU playing Arkansas, which, I mean, Arkansas is a bye week. I think that's that line is at, like, minus 50. Uh, so there we go from around the SEC. We'll move on into what I wanted to, what I wanted to talk about when we, we talked about Georgia. 
Uh, just a couple quick points on, uh, on the college football playoff rankings here. Um, I was surprised to see. Well, I'll, I'll save that. Why? Why would a Pac-12 champion, Oregon, be in over Alabama, who will beat Auburn next week? Auburn is going to beat Alabama. Or excuse me, Alabama is going to beat Auburn. Oregon lost to Auburn week one, and as I sat and watched the college football playoff selection show or whatever they call it. Tuesday night, uh, I listened to Reese Davis talk about how, well, you can't say that Auburn is so different than they are now at week one, and Oregon is so different. So even if Alabama beats Auburn, Oregon should be on over Auburn if they win the Pac-12 championship. And I cannot disagree with that more because I hear, and I love Reese Davis, and I'm glad, like, this is an interesting point because the argument we constantly hear is from expanding the playoff and things like that is the we want every game to matter crowd, right? You have every there's this idea that's been created by the media in the last three or four years since the college football playoff committee uh, committee has come about and the college football playoffs come about is that every college football game matters when in fact it very much does not, right? Because if you put Oregon in over Alabama, you were telling me that the or- Auburn loss any person will make that logical connection Auburn beat Oregon Alabama smacked Auburn why would Oregon be in over Alabama you know when they don't have a head-to-head game what any person would make that connection why you would be telling me that that Oregon Auburn game just does not matter is what you're telling me you're also but you're also a part of the we want every game to matter crowd you can't do that you you need you gotta you can't play both sides of the fence right pick a side and the every game matters theory just drives me insane when we were talking last week you know how my dream scenario would be eight teams five conference champs three at larges so you get a little bit of you kind of appease both sides the i hate the college football playoff committee i've hated it since day one it gives them way too much power for something that's it makes it subjective when in it should not all be subjective i think it should be a mix in college football in major college football uh, as far as who gets into the playoffs. But it's so frustrating to me to see people argue for a team like Oregon over Alabama who would beat the team or who would beat the one team that beat Oregon. And then Alabama's only loss also be against the number one team in the country. It would be different if Alabama lost to South Carolina, uh, which apparently that game also doesn't matter that South Carolina beat Georgia. That's what the committee has told us. I, I just cannot trust the committee. Because if you ask me right now who has a quote-unquote better loss, which I don't I mean it's hard to decide. Oregon has the best one loss uh, over uh, uh, Georgia for sure. Why would they not be in the top four? If you really believe in Oregon so much, why is Oregon not in over Georgia? Because Georgia lost to one of the crappiest teams in the SEC and, and maybe in larger in college football. In a, in a lot of 100-plus categories and rankings and on the offensive side of the football. Uh, so you think it why, should... Why would Oregon be over, you know... Why wouldn't Oregon be over Georgia as well? So you think that if they're going by what they say they are, that Oregon should be the four? Uh, if you want to go... If you want to make the argument for it, meaning, you know... If you want to make the argument for Georgia... I'm saying I have a more legitimate ar- argument for Oregon. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. But, because it, like you were, what, what, I think the thing we get so caught up with is the, with the uh, every game counts, 
mantra that every regular season game counts mantra is you you get to a point where you contradict yourself every time every year and you say all right well this one loss that doesn't really matter so that game didn't count is what you just told me but you, 10 seconds ago you told me that every game counts and that's the reason that the college football playoff is like this and my bigger problem is that the college football playoff is not constructed for success for it to be it's an entertaining product no doubt but it could be way better you have 130 teams in college football and fbs football only four of them get to play in the playoff if you tell me like then the rest of those bowl games and people watch the bowl games they don't mean anything like right so what if georgia georgia's gonna miss out on the college football playoffs this year because i don't think they're beating lsu and they're gonna go to the sugar bowl right does georgia care about winning the sugar bowl no they had a legitimate chance to be in the college football playoff this year their team should have been there they just messed up and now they're playing in a game that they don't want to play in because they lost so why not get rid of that bowl game and find a way to get georgia in and make it a better game it's just frustrating and then the only other point I had this week is that why is Minnesota ranked behind Penn State? Um, and I'll try to be quick here because we're running long. But I saw uh, Bear from uh, Chris. How do you say his last name? Who? Falica, Falica from from Game Day. He is Chris Falica. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. It, it, they call him Bear. Yeah, yeah. Right. So he's the kind of the nerd on the college football crew, college football Game Day crew. He tweets out this week, uh, interesting comment from Mob, Rob Mullins, who is the chair of the committee, the college football playoff committee, about Penn State, Minnesota. Cited the common opponent. Oh, by the background information, Minnesota's ranked two spots behind Penn State this week. Uh, he said that Mullins cited the common opponent, Penn State win at Iowa, Minnesota loss at Iowa, despite Minnesota head-to-head win. Might be worth filing away if Bama wins at Auburn. It's certainly a part of potential discussion between Oregon and Bama for sure. All right, we just discussed Bama and Oregon. What the college football playoff committee, that's their defense is we rank Penn State above Minnesota because both teams played at Iowa and Penn State won and Minnesota didn't. But we're just going to throw out the fact that they played each other and Minnesota steamrolled them and and then kind of let it get close at the end. Hmm. How do you throw out, like, if you're going to put them two spots ahead of of Penn State, do it. Or two spots behind Penn State, do it. But come up with a better reason than that for me. You play head-to-head. That should matter. Sometimes you play on the road, sometimes you don't. And I guess the argument was that Penn State had to play on the road, and that's unfair. Well, guess what? Next year, if they played, they would be in Happy Valley. You play on the road sometimes. You play at home sometimes. You can't use a common opponent when you have a head-to-head. That's so frustrating to me. That's what I, that is, things like this make me hate the college football playoff committee. Yeah, I could see. Okay, so now that makes more sense. Actually, I would if I was doing it, I would have Oklahoma over Minnesota over Penn State. But I, I understand what you're saying there. Yeah, I mean, there's like don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things that would change. Um, but and also, I will credit the committee on not putting Texas A&M in just because they beat South Carolina. Because Texas A&M has played just not great this year, uh, or not. There's there are teams in the top twenty-five that are better. But also, if you want to tell me, here's the other thing. I just keep going down these rabbit holes in my head, and I I just it's not like this is just on the show. 
and this frustrates me as I'm watching it, and I just can't help but just get pissed off. Because you look at the top 25, you're telling me Texas A&M, who I don't think should be in the top 25, uh, but you're telling me they couldn't beat Boise State? They wouldn't be favored on the road at Boise State? You're wrong, right? So why is Boise State ranked? So do you believe that the Boise State is better? Or you don't. I, I don't. It's frustrating. Um, we'll go into. We'll we'll quickly go through the rest of the games we had written down for this week. Uh, biggest matchup of the week is on noon. Is at noon on Fox. Penn State number eight is about to solve the whole Penn State Minnesota issue at number two Ohio State. This is a massive game. And Ohio State is about, this is where their schedule counts, right? Because to, right now, this day, their schedule, a lot of people are saying that their schedule is comparable to LSU's. I call BS on that. And they cite FPI. FPI is the dumbest thing of all time. Um, but Iowa, Ohio State is about to play Penn State. Granted, it's at home. And then they play Michigan, who is the next game we'll talk about. Um, this game is going to be awesome for about 15 to 20 minutes, and then Ohio State is going to pull away and win by about 16 points. So you don't think Penn State keeps it close? I don't. I Like, when I'm watching, like I told you the other week, right, when I took Penn State minus 6.5, and, and then when the game started, I couldn't be pulling harder for Minnesota. I'll make my decision, and I would imagine I'll be pulling for Penn State. Because uh, I like to see upsets. I want chaos. God, I want chaos. I want all of these undefeated teams, except for LSU, to lose. Um, because even if LSU loses to Ole Miss or A&M, they're fine, I think. They'll get into the college football playoff. Uh, but, God, it would be awesome if Penn State lost to Ohio State. And now Penn State will be in the Big Ten Championship because they would have the same record as Ohio State in the Big Ten, and they would hold the tiebreaker, so they would be the team from the East. And they would go rematch Minnesota in the Big Ten Championship, and I want that so bad. That would be just unreal. I'm, I'm hoping. I, I hope I'll stay. I hope they kind of keep it close. I hope it's like a 7-10. to 10. I don't think it is. So like I said, I think, well, like you said, I think maybe they win by 14 or so. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Unless they can somehow, I feel like Penn State's best shot is going to be to get at um, – Get at oh my god! Just drawing the blank. Yeah, get at him and Contoria contain Chase Young. Chase Young will be excited to be back playing after having to sit out two weeks. Oh yeah, came, yeah, came off the two game suspension. Yeah, but he he will for sure be in the backfield unless Penn State can come. I'm really Penn State generally has a pretty good offensive line, correct? Yeah, I mean all those Big Ten schools do. Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan, usually pretty decent. I mean they just grow offensive linemen in the mid. Excuse me, Midwest region of the country so. yeah so we'll, we'll see what happens there but I, Ohio State win. I don't see Ohio State losing to uh, maybe the Big Ten Championship if but probably more more likely the college football playoff yeah I don't see Ohio State losing until January um, or I guess the end of December but it could happen it, it could happen for sure uh, Michigan I just mentioned Michigan Michigan is number 13 they're 13 and a half point favorite on the road at Indiana Michigan has quietly put together a really good second half of the season. They smacked um, Notre Dame at home. And they just, who did they play last week? I cannot remember off the top of my head. They beat uh, Michigan State, didn't it? That, yeah, that's right. Michigan State destroyed them. 
I mean, 50 points, that's that's huge margin of victory. Uh, and probably on Cat you're off going 9-2. Yeah. Well, 9-3 and three against gonna, Ohio State. This right? game against Ohio State uh, is going to be a lot better than I thought it would be a couple weeks ago. I think I still think Ohio State. I think Ohio State owns Jim Harbaugh, and I think he. I think there's some kind of weird spirit thing working against him. Some weird sports, just kind of the the football gods do not want him to beat Ohio State, so I don't think he'll do it. Um, I don't think that it, it's he's big enough for the moment yet. We'll see, but they play Indiana, who they. I mean, Indiana's a good team. They are seven and three, I believe. And they, they've shown the capability to put up some points. Um, I, I don't see Michigan having a lot of trouble with Indiana. I think it'd be close for a little while. Yeah, I didn't really pay too much attention. To, I just I had high expectations of Shea Patterson, and when they didn't pan out. I mean, I, like you said, they have put together a pretty decent campaign this year, but after they started losing those first ones, and when a lot of other people jumped off oh, the bandwagon. Oh, yeah, I feel you. I did, too. Yeah. That one's at 3.30 on ESPN. Um, another good game in the... The Big Ten, I always watch the big teams play Northwestern. Because Northwestern, similar to Iowa, has the ability to knock a Big Ten, a big team off or to just make it a good game. Um, Northwestern really fell off this year. Last year they, yeah, they won did. their division. And this year, how many wins do they have? This Not year, a lot. Yeah, this year they have... What are they um, at, like five, six? Yeah, they are two and eight. Jeez. Uh, so it's safe to say I haven't watched more, much Northwestern football this year, except for the Wisconsin game. But they're at home against Minnesota this week. Uh, Northwestern, I was looking back at their, their the scores of their recent games. They're all over the place. They put up a decent bit of points one week. They give up a decent bit of points, and they don't. And it's they're they're all over the place. Uh, Minnesota opens as, or is a 13.5-point favorite. Noon on ABC. Uh so that'll be a decent game. I, I don't know, maybe one to throw on the background while you're watching Ohio State, Penn State. Move on quickly to the Big 12. Texas, plus 5.5 at number 14, Baylor on Fox Sports 1 uh, at 3.30. I, I want to pick Texas, but I, I, I don't want to do it. I just think that they're, they're, they're so not back. Texas fans thought they were back, and they just got their, like, a foot just pressed in their chest this year. You're you're not back. You're not close. Don't say you're back to me if you're a Texas fan. Don't tell me you're back until you win a Big 12 championship. I don't want to hear it. Until you beat Oklahoma twice in a season and win a Big 12 championship, I just don't want to hear it because you're not back. Yeah. You're just a regular, mediocre to above average Big 12 team. Well, I got a question for you. Do you think they'll eventually get back there? I and think so. I think Tom Irvin's the right guy for the job. I thought it was this year. It's just going to take one more. Early. Yeah, and I got Baylor. After Baylor having that gut, Rich and lost to Oklahoma, I don't feel like they'll lose again at home like that. So I, I got Baylor one out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens if they get another shot at Oklahoma and blow them out. Um, so we'll move on from there to TCU at number nine, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is an 18-point favorite, 8 o'clock on Fox this week. Uh, this could be an interesting game. TCU's played some good football at times this year, and at times they have not. I mean, they beat Texas. I get we just talked about how Texas wasn't that great this year. Um, but TCU's going to have a good defense, a good Gary Patterson defense. Uh, Gary Patterson also is, I believe, the longest-tenured head coach in college football right now. 
He's been there like 14 years. And no one else has been anywhere longer. Sheesh. Now that Bill Snyder's retired and some other guys have left college football. Um, could be an interesting game. It's one to watch. It's it's one of the night games to watch this week. So Hopefully. So. I'm pretty sure CeeDee Lamb will be back, but I know he missed last week. So Yeah. Um, and, and if you don't want to watch TC Oklahoma, throw on ESPN and watch Coach O and the Tigers beat the crap out of Arkansas. Um, I got, I'll move on to, oh, you want to talk about UCLA at Southern Cal real quickly uh, out in the Pac-12 this week. Well, there have been rumors, these are just rumors, I'm getting from Colin Cowherd, that uh, USC is going to look to try to get James Franklin, see if he'll go there. I don't think he will, by the way. I, I don't just, think he's leaving. Yeah, I didn't think so either. He tried to really get uh, to the playoff with Penn State. Now he's built that program. That's a blue, not a blue trip program. That's where it yep. is. But I really would love to see the day when UC, because I remember watching the games, although UCLA wasn't good back in the day, but whenever Pete Carroll was out of Southern Cal, I really want to look forward to the day where you can, like, people on the West Coast to turn on Southern Cal versus UCLA, and it'd be like a good game with, you know, like, not BCS, but college football playoff implications. But I just don't know if it's ever meant anymore for the, the West Coast to be really good at, you know, in college football. Yeah, I mean, there are a few fan bases who care. Uh, L.A. is just not a sports town to begin with. Maybe the Dodgers and the Lakers, right? And think about the Clippers. Like, how many Clippers fans do you see, really? Yeah. You know? Uh, how many, like... Anaheim, who are the Los Angeles Angels. I mean, they're technically there in Anaheim, but same area. How many like legit like Angels fans do you see? It, it's not much, right? You got the Dodgers because of their rich like tradition. And baseball is good in California, and high school football is good in California too. There are definitely a lot of athletes in California, but I think the people at large just don't really care about college football or football in general. I mean, look at turn on Rams game on Sunday and tell me how many people you can count in that crowd. Because you can probably just count them one by one. And that's why Clemson, schools like Clemson can go to California and get a receiver. They have one yeah. of their receivers in the roster went yep. in California. And you would hope like guys like that would sign at USC, maybe Cal Berkeley, depending on how smart you are, or Southern Cal. But I would love to see, though, like as a lot of people would in the college football playoff, it not just be so regional. We get to see some teams from, like Utah, for example, they would have continued winning. It's funny how everybody kind of puts this as like, oh, Oregon will beat Utah for sure. I'm sure Utah fans have something to say about that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I just can't. Buy, I I want to buy into the Utah hype train every year because I like the colors. I think they play a good brand of football. They have good defense. They play a, a championship brand of football. And what I mean by that is they have a good offense, traditionally, and a great defense. Um but they lost that great defense this year, lost to Southern Cal's third-string quarterback, and not only lost to him, he put up 300-plus yards against him. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's just – I can't defend that. Um, picks of the week, I'll go through them real quick. I got a couple extras for you instead of just five this week. I got Illinois plus 15.5 at Iowa. Uh, Oklahoma State minus 7 over West Virginia. BYU minus 40.5 at UMass. Um, interesting that that one's at UMass, but I don't know why BYU would schedule that game. But they're still an independent, so they got to take what they can get, I guess. Uh, but UMass is one of the worst teams in college football, and BYU can score. Uh, over 39.5 points in the Minnesota-Northwestern game. Um, both of those teams can can score. We'll, we'll see how it happens, and it, or if it happens. Uh, Texas A&M or in Georgia... Taking Georgia minus 13.5. I, I think they'll do it this week and actually cover spread. Oregon minus 14.5 on the road at Arizona State over Herm Edwards' team. 
Um, and taking the over in Oregon State, Washington State at 9 o'clock uh, tomorrow night. And then uh, I wanted to mention this. Brendan and I watched last night. I know we talked a few weeks ago or last month about the HBO kind of hard knocks-esque college football thing. And we watched the one with Florida. We watched it right before the Florida-South Carolina game. Um, and we they did one with Washington State. And I forgot about it. I forgot to watch it. So we went back and watched it. It came out like a month ago. We went back and watched it last night. It was fantastic. It's exactly what I thought it would be. <laughs> he was going through his office just talking about the different things he had in there. Saying, you know, it starts off like, well, there's a computer over there. I don't think I've... He said, to my knowledge, that thing's never been turned on. Um, and <laughs> he's been at Washington State for nine years. Um, and scrolling around, or strolling around, talking about the pirates. He shows the painting of of the George Costanza painting that some kid that made that Sonic game day where they put Mike Leach's head on George Costanza's almost naked body. Um that's pretty funny. Go so go watch if you have HBO, go watch that. I believe it's called College Football Twenty Four Seven, something yeah. like that. Just type in College Football on HBO and it'll pop up. And it's the last episode. There's only four of them. Uh, I think I'm gonna go back and watch the other two: Penn State and Arizona State. Uh, that's it. I mean, interesting stories in, in college football this week, uh, to say the least. Not the best slate of games, but there's definitely some drama out there to find. Yeah, some storylines to follow for sure. Yep. We'd like to say a special thank you to Ben Sound for our music. Uh, we would also like to remind you to go rate, subscribe, review um, the podcast on Apple and go follow on Spotify. Make sure you download every episode. Um, listen to us. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Share on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lead underscore block. Follow Matthew at Matt, the chosen one with the number one, and myself on Twitter at Tyler Walters CNR. Also, go follow me on the Action app, and you can go look at all my picks of the week. It's at Tyler Walters CNR on the Action app as well, uh, the Action Network. And yeah, I think I think that's it. Yeah. Oh, follow the show. We'll. I mean, we tweet out stuff, and we always tweet out the links to the episodes and stuff in a quick description of the episode. Make sure you go follow the show on Twitter. That would be great. Any words Any words from you, Matthew? No, man, that's it. All right, we will see you Monday, I guess, and we'll have a different plan for next week, and we'll let you be aware of that next week. Stay Look tuned. forward to it. Thank you. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.